Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the Premier promised results that people can see and feel. But the NDP's last 100 days have yielded the same terrible results as the last six years by every measure. People are literally dying because they cannot get basic health care. Crime is getting worse. Just today we saw the news of a pair of vicious random assaults in Richmond by a violent prolific offender as the latest example. And life has never been more unaffordable. We are paying the highest taxes, the highest fuel prices in North America, and we've got the highest housing prices in North America after six years of NDP government. But wait, there's more. According to a new report, with the exception of Mexico City, Metro Vancouver now has the worst traffic gridlock in all of North America, another low. And we find that drivers are now spending an average of 200 hours a year stuck in rush hour traffic. So after six years of worsening results, we've now witnessed 100 days of hot air. And the question of the Premier is this, when will his rhetoric and empty promises start matching the results so that people can actually see some improved results somewhere, anywhere in British Columbia? Government House Leader. Uh, thank you, I uh, thank you for uh, thank the member for the question, and uh, of course he leaves out uh, many uh, important facts. Uh, strongest economy in the country. He forgot to mention that. In his, uh, strongest population growth. People are coming from all across the country, from different parts of the world, to make British Columbia home because they know this is a place of opportunity. They're seeing the investments we're making in people here, Honourable Speaker. They see the investments we're making in things like childcare, which has ensured that we are now leading the country in having the most amount of women being employed into the labour market. Speaker, years of underinvestment, years of underinvestment have created many challenges in our uh, in our province, and we're making the investments to support people now and into the future. Leader of the official opposition, supplemental. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, actually, what they're seeing are the worst results in North America, not just in the country, in North America. rhetoric or announcements is going to change the fact that results really matter and we're getting terrible results. You know, this Premier and this Minister have failed to deliver better results, especially when it comes to housing. Now, instead of results, we've, we've seen uh, what we call the housing flub and families like Stephen and Tara are paying the price. Stephen and Tara and their children are barely surviving in a toxic, leaky and poorly insulated two-bedroom mobile home. Their daughter must use the dining room as a bedroom, and, they're sur and they've surrounded it by curtains to create a makeshift third room. 67% of their income goes towards the rent, and they're constantly battling black mold caused by the leaky mobile home. And yet, when this Merritt family turned to the BC housing flub for help, instead of help, the Premier's affordable housing project prioritize subsidizing Airbnb rentals in Merritt over the basic needs of struggling families like Tara and Stephen. One can imagine how those announcements they keep hearing ring hollow for couples like Stephen and Tara. 
What does this housing minister have to say to them? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And we know that there's a challenge uh, with housing, affordable housing across the province. Uh, and the members should know uh, that uh, we are seeing record numbers of rental starts in British Columbia right now. We know that we need more investments uh, into housing. That's why we've been urging the federal government to get into the game, to join us, join our record amount of investments. But, Honourable Speaker, for, for the member to just stand up now and, and to suggest that this problem has just arrived, when for 16 years they were in government, he was a minister of finance, very little action was taken to address the housing. In fact, we had only, when he was a minister of finance, we only saw 2,000 rental units, Honourable Speaker, built in this province. In fact, their solution, Honourable Speaker, was why don't we have rent increases happen at CPI plus 2% because somehow that will help the people that he's talking about, Honourable Speaker. We've taken, we've taken action to ensure that rents increases are decreased so that people can get into the housing market and continue to afford their places. Members, 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 please continue. The truth hurts, Honourable Speaker. The truth hurts. And, and you know, uh, I'm sure the member has lots of uh, other questions, and I'm happy to answer them. But, you know, the problem we have now, and if you talk to housing experts, they will tell you that it's decades of underinvestment in housing in British Columbia. We're making the investments that are needed, Honourable Speaker, and we're going to do that. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Mr. Speaker, um, uh, and thank you to uh, the Minister for that um, uh, overview. Uh, I would like to remind uh, perhaps MLA members that 70% of these uh, new rental units built under this NDP government have actually come from the demolition of existing rental units and not new construction. Um, now the Premier's housing flub is harming families. When Victoria Walsh was expecting a child, the last thing she expected was a crippling 20% hike in rent. But that is exactly what's happened under this NDP government. Victoria is outraged, and I quote, my baby shouldn't be treated like a roommate, and I feel it's very unfair. 20% is just not a reasonable increase. It's way too much, end quote. So despite her plea for help, the only response from the housing minister is to merely shrug his shoulders and say that that rent increase is permitted. There's nothing he can do. And the premier responded, quote, it seems strange to me, unquote. Talk about a lack of empathy. So will the premier tell Victoria why he is allowing her to be punished by a 20% rent increase for having a baby. Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and, and certainly uh, I can imagine how stressful that is for that family to have a child and then have their landlord increase their rents 
by 20%. I mean, I think we all in this House can agree that uh, that is unacceptable. Uh, and I certainly hope that that landlord considers their actions, uh, because that's not what the Tenancy uh, Act was uh, designed to do. Uh, it's certainly the same as, uh, as when the opposition was in this on this side of the House. Nothing has changed there, Honourable Speaker. Uh, this is a case where I think the landlord should do the right thing and ensure that uh, the, uh, the contract that's in place is targeted to the people that it's supposed to be targeted to and not to young families. Member for West Vancouver Capilano, supplemental. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, well, appreciating that it's difficult for this family uh, is, is not enough. Um, and the Premier should not have actually found this strange because it was when he was housing minister, the exact same thing happened to another young family where their rent was hiked when their daughter was born a year ago. Back then, the response from the then housing minister was, quote, it seems bizarre, end quote. So how clueless and ineffectual that this is just as lost today. Now, Patrick Marston has called the now Premier to take action back in March of 2022, and today he says, quote, I basically got a form letter back from the then Minister, now the Premier, and saw no action, end quote. So when a major housing flub, just like with newborn children causing families to be evicted from stratas, the Premier is making life even worse for struggling families with rentals. So, Mr. Uh, Speaker, will the Premier finally take responsibility for the ongoing housing crisis and explain to young families like Patrick and Victoria why he has failed to deliver results for them? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, again, uh, I know that this is a challenging situation for this family. Uh, that is not what the uh, rental tenancy um, um, uh, laws in this place are supposed to be about. Uh, they're the same. They're, they're the same. They're the same laws that were in place when the previous government were, was in place. Honourable Speaker, again, uh, my call to Members. this landlord is to ensure that they uh, do the right thing and support the people that are living in that unit and not use that 20% agreement, private agreement that they had in place for the wrong purpose. Honourable Speaker, we have been supporting renters in historic ways on this side of the House, Honourable Speaker. When we put in the caps to ensure rents can be uh, not increased dramatically, we members, did that. Members, 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 Minister will continue. Honourable Speaker, we did that because we knew that the challenges we're facing right now are high. And, you know, I just find it a little rich hearing from the opposite side. When they let rents go as high as they wanted, they thought it was a great thing. In fact, the uh, leader of the official opposition, in fact, was just talking about that very thing on, on the radio, talking about how putting the, the caps for rent increases is wrong because it's going to hurt the private sector, Honourable Speaker. He was talking about that. So uh, I just don't understand the line of questioning today, Honourable Speaker, when we've taken historic steps, built... Uh, we got 14,000 rental units being built this year, Honourable Speaker. 2,000 units were, a year were being built when they were in government. We have 14,000, Honourable Speaker. And the member also made an assertion that uh, the units are, uh, that somehow units are being displaced when we're building new units. Honourable Speaker, just for student housing alone, Honourable Speaker, uh, oh, he says here we go because he knows the facts already, but I'm going to tell him again. 
Honourable Speaker, 130 beds of student housing, Member. Honourable Speaker, that they built in the 16 years that they were here, Honourable Speaker. We built 7,700 units, and what that does, Honourable Speaker... Members, members, member. Honourable Speaker, what, what that means is students are going to be able to live closer to campus, which means that they'll be able to uh, save some money from transportation and other costs, and it means it will create more capacity in communities. That's just one step, Honourable Speaker, but I am happy to talk the entire question period on this topic because it's such an important topic. House Leader of Third Party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. On Tuesday, I asked the Minister responsible for economic development whether uh, it should be recapitalizing the Island Coastal Economic Trust. In the response, the Minister pointed uh, to a $33 million REDIP, or the Rural Economic Diversification and Infrastructure Program, as a replacement for the Trust. However, I think the Minister knows that this is a false equivalent. The REDIP is not an appropriate replacement for the ICT, and I think the Minister knows it. In 2006, the provincial government created investment tools for regions across the province. The southern interior region received $692 million. The central northern region received $287.5 million. And these funds were designed so that the principle was never touched. However, for the island and coastal communities, they put $50 million into a trust that was designed to be a sinking fund. The redip is available to all rural communities to apply across the province. The island coastal communities are competing against those rural communities that also have access to money from their regional trusts. It's inexplicable that the minister thinks that she's provided a viable, long-term, sustainable alternative. It's not even mentioning the fact that the REDIP funds provincial priorities and the ICT funds local priorities. Through you, Mr. Speaker, to the Minister of Jobs. Does she still think that the REDIP is a fair and equitable replacement for the ICT? Minister of Jobs and Economic Development. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the member opposite. Um, unfortunately, you've taken my words out of context. I certainly wasn't implying a replacement. Economic development is very, very important to this government and very important to my ministry. And there are many different ways to do economic development. And I pointed to Redip as one of those great ways, one of those opportunities, one of a number of supports we're putting in place as we continue to ensure that there are good jobs available everywhere in our province, Mr. Speaker. That's the point of Redip. House Leader, third party supplemental. Mr. Speaker, the effect of mentioning a $33 million fund is to deflect away from the fact that this government has dragged its heels for months on uh, recapitalizing the Island Coastal uh, Economic Trust. It was to put a big number out there to suggest that the government is doing something to support these communities, when in fact the thing that they could be doing is following through uh, on the comprehensive environmental, social and governance investment strategy a 25-year fully costed business plan with detailed financial statements that was provided to this government back in September 2022. This uh, plan proposed to this government to transform it into a first-of-its-kind model across the country, founded on co-governance with Indigenous communities and built on the well-being well as, it, as its core principle. 
They want to turn this into a permanent trust, so it's not a sinking fund, that will generate seven, between seven and $12 million for the rural communities that members in this place represent. The impact will be profoundly positive, a billion dollars of economic impact for the rural communities on the uh, island and, and coastal communities over the next 25 years. This economic trust serves 500,000 British Columbians, Question, member. 32% of the rural population of the province. Will the minister commit today to recapitalizing the trust with at least $150 million, turning it into a permanent fund and supporting our community leaders that need these resources? Minister. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. And positioning me as somehow uh, anti this fund is just incorrect, Mr. Speaker. These folks have done great work, and we know that. And I've heard from many of my colleagues about the important work of this fund. The reality is they brought a proposal forward. We're doing due dil diligence on that proposal, and we're working with them right now, Mr. Speaker. Member for Surrey South. Mr. Speaker, the Premier's repeated housing flubs are hurting families. The families feel hopeless, they feel trapped in abysmal rental situations because they can't afford to move someplace else. I've heard from Kristen, a mother with her two young children who lives in an RV park without any protection and faces constant housing insecurity. And from Charlene and her family who are at constant risk of homelessness if they're evicted. And as Charlene puts it, and I quote, it's hard to constantly feel like we're nobodies and we have no help, end quote. The seniors and single mothers reaching out to my office every day deserve better than the Premier's housing flub. With his abysmal record, can the Premier tell Kristen and Charlene and their families why has he hit, failed to deliver the results that they desperately need and what they deserve? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, uh, certainly, um, I'm aware that uh, those that are living in RV parks in particular, uh, that are living on leasehold land, have particular challenges. Um, I can share with the member that I've met with uh, folks who have um, uh, highlighted those challenges for us. Um, my colleagues uh, from uh, across uh, on this side, uh, across the aisle, have also raised this issue. Uh, we're uh, is right now that the contracts are between uh, private. Um, uh, party and, and, and the folks that are staying on the land. Uh, what we've heard from them is they want more transparency uh, of how costs go up and how they can plan. And uh, we're going to continue to work with them, Honourable Speaker. But we know that there's a real challenge, Honourable Speaker. Uh, I've already highlighted the fact that we have um, major challenges we're dealing with. We have right now global inflation. We have high interest rates going up, which is putting a real challenge on. The record population is what we need. We need people coming at the numbers that are coming, but we also need to be able to house them. And that's what I've said to the federal government as well. We're making historic level investments, $1 billion a year to build the housing we need, Honourable Speaker, because we know that housing is needed, uh, Honourable Speaker. And we also need the federal government to come in. And I've said to them, we don't need you to go more than us. We're just saying match us because uh, the population increase needs the support uh, to be able to be successful when they get here, and, uh, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Member for Peace River South. 
Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, Doreen's another person from Tumbler Ridge, uh, tired of the Premier's housing flub. Uh, she is desperate for affordable housing, a place to live, but Doreen can't find an affordable place to rent in Tumbler Ridge, despite the fact, despite the fact that there are six empty BC housing units in that town. This government has an, is now an absentee landlord with empty homes, rather than renting the properties to help people like Doreen, who are in dire need of housing. But unfortunately, Mr. Speaker, it gets even worse. BC Housing has now said, due to the lack of funding, rather than renting these places out, they have applied for a demolition permit for all of the BC Housing units in Tumbler Ridge, saying they can't afford to keep them open, they are going to tear them down, taking away rental possibilities for people in that community. So instead of building the affordable housing that's needed, they're actually going backwards now in this province and tearing housing down that's going to help people in my region. So why is the Premier leaving people like Doreen hopeless and actually homeless under this housing flood? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And again, billion dollars a year investment uh, being made to build the housing we need. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, Honourable Speaker, decades of underinvestment. Decades of underinvestment. Not enough investment in our existing housing stock to make sure that the existing housing stock. Members, let's hear the answer. Please continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, decades of underinvestment in housing, Honourable Speaker, has led us to this problem. Not only underinvestment in new housing, but underinvestment in making, make, making sure we maintain the existing stock, Honourable Speaker. And so I can't speak specifically. It's okay. Shh, calm down. It's okay. Let him continue. Honourable Shh. Speaker. Uh, the, uh, the member raises a specific uh, issue in his community. I'm happy to talk to him about that specific issue uh, after question period. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. It's time for these excuses to stop and the blame game to end. It's this government's failed plan to quell demand. It's the NDP that wanted to stop demand. It's the 19 new taxes that were to end demand that has resulted in rental rates being the highest in North America. Kelowna is another victim of this Premier's housing flub with one of the most unaffordable rental markets in the country. Last week, an 81-year-old senior reached out to my office in utter despair, forced to live in their car with no options left. Despite a lifetime of hard work, paying taxes, doing the right thing, this senior has been abandoned by a government that's promised better results. This senior's been registered for the BC housing plan for two years and exhausted every source to find housing. And you know what they have to show for it? Nothing but homelessness and no hope. And I wish this was an isolated case, but nearly 10,000 seniors are on waiting lists for subsidized housing under this NDP government. And that's a 50% increase in the last five years. Oh, wow. 
How much longer will seniors suffer before the Premier finally delivers the results he promised? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, I think uh, it shouldn't be news to any member in this House that coming out of the pandemic, we've seen global inflation. We've seen higher interest rates. This put pressure on not only Kelowna, not only Victoria, not only Delta, communities not only across the country, but across North America. This is an issue that's being felt everywhere. Honestly, that's why we're making the historic investments we're making. That's why we put in places things... Members. Honourable Speaker, the member, the leader of the official opposition, uh, chooses to continue to heckle, uh, and uh, and uh, he fails to uh, acknowledge that uh, actions such as bringing the speculation tax, Honourable Speaker, has actually helped bring 20,000 units back on the market. And I know, I know, I know, he opposes that because he thinks it's unfair that people have multiple homes and they're not renting them and leaving them empty and leaving them empty when people like the, the members issue they're raising Kona doesn't have a place to live. I know that he finds that unfair, but it shows who he's fighting for, Honourable Speaker. We have Now, my friend across the way who asked this question should know that we've got 1,300 units that we're funding in Kelowna, 1,300 units. Out of that, 916 are complete, and we have almost 400 of them that are just uh, under construction. So we're making those investments. We're building that housing that's been needed for more than two decades, Honourable Speaker. And yes, we are behind. Two decades of underinvestment, we are behind, Honourable Speaker. But all these investments are gonna make the difference to support people, Honourable Speaker, and uh, we're gonna continue to do that work. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, it's not just the opposition's evaluation of this government's 30-point housing plan over the last six years that views it as a failure. This government's throne speech viewed it as a failure and pointed out it has to be blown up and reworked over the next six months. Despite our Premier being the former Minister for the last two and a half years of housing and this new housing minister, we had to bring in the Premier had to bring in a new consultant to write the report over the next six months because these two ministers apparently don't know what to do with housing over this period. The plain, simple fact is housing programs have been a disaster under this government. The 30-point plan is nothing but taxation. It's failed. People with kids being met with a shrug because they're going to be evicted by this government, not taking action. The housing flood program, it's been pretty good for Airbnb and their investors, not so good if you're a family with young kids trying to have an affordable place to live that's safe. Over 1,200 units in Burnaby not being funded by BC Housing while this Premier smacks municipalities over the head for not doing their part on housing. And now we hear that in Tumblr Ridge, BC Housing can't even figure out how to fund six or seven housing units, so instead they're going to demolish them all and take them out of the rental pool. We have problems in Kelowna. We have problems all over this province. And what did this all culminate in? We need a forensic audit of BC Housing. And this minister dares to stand in this house and say everything's great with housing in British Columbia under their watch. 
Not only that, they refuse to allow that audit to come forward to the Public Accounts Committee so it can be properly vetted in a public venue and have BC Housing Act answer actual pointed questions about it. So since they won't allow that to happen, will the Premier actually confirm if the audit is actually complete or not? Because it wasn't that long ago he said it would be in the spring. And if so, when is the date it's going to be released? And if it's not done, when is it done? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, uh, you know, I find this line of questioning interesting. You know, we have uh, an opposition now that was in government for 60 years. Imagine spilling milk and then asking that you folks that come in, why has it been cleaned up enough already, Honourable Speaker? <laughs> decades of underinvestment, Honourable Speaker. Decades of underinvestment Members. in housing. Honourable Speaker, just in that member's riding, 986. Order. Members. 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 Let's have order. Minister will continue. Speaker, their heckling means that they have no more questions to ask and they're trying to run the clock, Honourable Speaker. Members. Members. Member, member for Abbotsford West and the other members. Members, that's enough. That's enough. Minister will continue. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker, um, as I've said, we have got a housing crisis. We know that, Honourable Speaker. We're dealing with a crisis. And our efforts are not only on the demand side, it's also on the supply side, Honourable Speaker. We are supporting uh, the construction of thousands of homes across British Columbia, every community across this province, Honourable Speaker. We're also taking steps to address demand. I know when the, the Honourable Spe the Member uh, across the way mentions taxes, Honourable Speaker, When they, when they say they don't like taxes, they don't like the increased taxes, they're talking about the speculation tax, Honourable Speaker. It's important for the viewers at home to know that what they oppose is a tax that ensures that people who have multiple homes that choose not to leave them, not just rent them and leave them empty, have to pay an additional fee. That's increased the amount of units by 20,000 units in British Columbia, Honourable Speaker. So we're going to continue to invest in new housing. We're going to continue to take action to address the uh, speculative practices that are driving up prices, Honourable Speaker. And it's an important work that we're going to continue to do. The Chair will recognize Cambridge North Thompson for a supplemental. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the finish to the Minister's answer there sounds exactly like the scenario his leader, the Premier, uh, was doing with his two houses for his family for work purposes, and then he decided to sell one off that was sitting empty right before the speculation tax came into effect. apparently can do that. And I would point out to this caucus of the government, Keep it short, the member. have all the landlords if you check the disclosure statements, here, not here. this side of the house. Here, here. 
Mr. Speaker, the reality is no one believes the government when it comes Member. to their housing numbers. Member, they've ask already, the question, please. They've already acknowledged in their throne speech that the 30-point plan for housing has been a failure after six years. It's delivered less than 10% of the housing it was supposed to deliver. This is the government's own acknowledgement. And the minister continues, continues to cite student housing numbers that are factually incorrect, Mr. Speaker. So the question to the minister, given that in Kamloops alone, on Thompson Rivers University, there was a dormitory built with over 500 housing units in it during our time in government, so and the minister continues to insist there's only it's been 130. Can the minister table for this House question. how they arrive at their 130 housing unit number so that we can actually start providing accurate numbers to the public Thank instead you. of misleading numbers Thank to the public? Well, members. The chair heard that member is accusing the minister of misleading. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. No, I was not accusing the minister of misleading. I'm saying the numbers themselves uh, are painting a, a misleading picture. Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And um, uh, I, I don't know where to start with this member, but I will say, I, I will say, Honourable Speaker, uh, they want numbers, so I'll share some numbers with them. We have 10 times the housing underway uh, by this province than they, when, they, when they were in government, Honourable Speaker. We have 21,000 units, Honourable Speaker, uh, that are under construction right now. And Honourable Speaker, um, he mentioned the, the uh, student housing, uh, and, and they, they claim they built uh, more than 130 uh, student housing. I'd love to see, maybe they're, maybe it's 138, Honourable Speaker. Members. I can tell. Member, you asked for extra question and chair provided to you. Let's finish it off now, please. Honourable Speaker, again, the, uh, the opposition leader uh, continues to heckle, um, which is uh, disappointing. Uh, but I will say, Honourable Speaker, we know that there's a housing crisis, Honourable Speaker. It's going to conclude, please. Honourable Speaker. Uh, we know that there's a housing crisis. We know that people are facing challenges. That's why we're making the investments we're in, making right now, Honourable Speaker. That's why we're seeing historic amount of rental units being built across this province, Honourable Speaker. We are putting supports in to support people through this challenging time. We're going to continue to do that. The balance question period.